Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Welcome to Conservative Mama Podcast. I am your host, Sarah B., and this is the podcast that's fighting back against liberal lunacy, the lies of feminism, and of course, the destruction of the progressive left as we refocus ourselves on those F-bombs that truly matter, faith, family, friendship, and now more than ever, freedom. Um, If you would like to see what I'm up to, you can follow me over on Conservative Mama Podcast over on Instagram. I do have a website, conservativemamapodcast.com. I am... I am delinquent, so I'll just say that. Um, I try to try to update stuff, um, but you know what? I need some free time to do it, and I don't have a ton of free time. So honestly, if you are looking for the latest and greatest, you'll probably not catch it there right now. Um, however, you can always follow me also on my personal account over on Instagram, which is Lady Devil Dog USMC. Um, you know that these two areas are where I'm most active. But uh, lately, I have just been kind of surfing around and uh, commenting on other people's stuff. You know, just kind of keeping my my nose to the wind to see what is going on. But like I said, there are times when you just kind of have to draw back from the current events and whatnot. So um, today is Friday, February 25th. And you know what that is. That makes it Friday fun day. Um, That being said, we do have to start off with a little bit of update for um, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, right? Now, I will admit, I am not 100% sure uh, everything that's going on. It sounded like um, the Russians went through Chernobyl um, here yesterday, the day before, something like that. Uh, For those of you who are too young to remember... um, Chernobyl is the site of uh, the nuclear disaster um, and has been basically a no man's land for many, many years. Um, so it's, I think it's kind of dangerous that uh, they're moving that direction, although I think the Ukrainians understood that was kind of a weak point anyway. Um, but I guess they, maybe they thought, like a, I, I would think, most people think, um, where everybody is familiar with what happened there, uh, especially the Russians. (laughs) So maybe they would just stay out of it, right? Um, It's not really safe to occupy. So, um, you know, maybe they would not come through there. But nope, alas, the Russians seem to have done that. So I'm just going to touch base here. I'm over on thefederalist.com tonight. Um, The headline is the West could have prevented the the Russo-Ukrainian war, but chose not to. Um, I am not actually speaking with any authority on this. Like I said, I have kind of kept my nose to the wind with the politics and the, the current events, but I have not really tapped in uh, this last week. Um, you know, I just, you have to take a break once in a while. So I just want to touch base. Uh, President Biden and our European allies closed off every off-ramp for Russia while misleading Ukraine into thinking we would defend it. So that is the um, subtitle. Not every war is, necess- or is, is unnecessary or avoidable, but history might well judge the Russo-Ukrainian war as both, not least because the United States and its European allies could have prevented it, but didn't. 
The decision to go to war was Russia's, and Russia bears ultimate responsibility for what happens now. But that does not absolve the West of its strategic incompetence and complacency, and it does not mean the United States and its allies are guiltless in all of this. At multi, oh, I'm sorry, I'm already in the struggle bus. We are four minutes in and I am already failing. At multiple points leading up to the current crisis, there were ways for the United States and Europe to create off ramps for both Moscow and Kiev. That's how I'm going to say it. I don't really know how it's pronounced. To shepherd a negotiated settlement so that both sides got a minimum of what they needed and some of what they wanted. What might, oh, what might ha that have looked like? For Moscow, a recognition of its strategic claim on Crimea and the port of Sevastopol. Sevastopol? I am so sorry. For my foreign listeners, I am so sorry. I can't say any of these words. As the home of its Black Sea fleet. For Kiev, the promise of political independence and greater integration with Europe in exchange for territorial concessions. The West should have also considered the folly and recklessness of floating the idea of NATO membership for Ukraine, something no serious person ever thought Russia would accept without going to war to prevent it. And yet, as far back as 2008, the United States openly discussed the possibility of Ukraine's membership in NATO, even as Kiev still claims sovereignty over Russia's most important naval base in Sevastopol. <laughs> Gosh. Under these conditions, the idea of Ukraine joining NATO was preposterous. Instead, for years now, the West has encouraged Ukraine to take a hard line on Russia with false promises that the U.S. and NATO would stand up to Moscow and defend Ukraine when it came down to it, or that Ukraine would become a NATO member and thus secure its untenable borders. As the political scientist John Mearsheimer, oh, for crying out loud, <laughs> argued back in 2016, the West has been leading Ukraine down, a, down the primrose path and that the end and that the end result is Ukraine. Oh my goodness. All right. You know what? I just give up. I give up. Let's try it again. As the political scientist John Mearsheimer argued back in 2016, the West has been leading Ukraine, quote, down the primrose path, and that the end result is that Ukraine is going to get wrecked. What we're doing is encouraging the Ukrainians to play tough with the Russians. We're, we're encouraging the Ukrainians to think they will ultimately become part of the West because we will ultimately defeat Putin and we will ultimately get our way. Time is on our side, end quote. And here's a tweet from Prodigal Son. Analysis and prediction on Ukraine from six years ago. The West is leading Ukraine down the... Oh, we already read that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, forget, forget that part. The, that encouragement, false encouragement as it turns out, made the Ukrainians unwilling to compromise with Russians or consider Russian demands that were not unreasonable given the historically unique circumstances of modern Ukrainian Ukraine of modern Ukraine's borders and the problems those borders have always presented. What's more, the West's encouragement of Ukraine did not match up with the West's policies towards Moscow. You don't test commit to defending Ukraine from Russia while simultaneously making your nation energy dependent on Russia as Germany and other European powers have done over the past decade or flood your financial sector with billions from Russian oligarchs as London has done. The Biden administration not only encouraged European energy dependence on Russia by waiving sanctions on the Nord Stream Pipeline, uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline last May, but substantially contributed to it by reversing the Trump administration's achievement of U.S. energy independence, to which I'd like to pause and say, thanks a lot, 
Oh my gosh. Way to go, Brandon. Is anybody else seeing the, the gas the prices of the gas pumps? Is anybody else seeing that? Or am I alone out here? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Screw Joe Biden. What an incompetent baboon. As my colleague Tristan Justice explains, President Biden's energy policies have taken away the ability of the U.S. and its allies to sanction Russia, Russian oil exports, a key source of the Kremlin's wealth. From Russia, the United States still imports nearly 600,000 barrels of oil every day. In contrast, the Keystone XL pipeline Biden shut down was supposed to transport 830,000 barrels at peak capacity. You know what? Again, I'm going to pause for the liberals in the back. These are the kids who just don't seem to get it. Mr. and Mrs. Climate Change, I would like to underline right there that 600,000 barrels imported every day has to come by way of sea, by cargo ships, which use an awful lot of fuel, which pollute through greenhouse gases. What didn't pollute was 830,000 barrels traveling through a Keystone pipeline, which we would monitor and make sure it's not leaking anywhere. Got it? Yeah. So you took a green energy source, the Keystone pipeline, and you flushed that down the proverbial toilet for climate wrecking uh, cargo ships. Way to go, hypocrites. But let's just continue. Biden didn't sanction the Russian energy sector because he couldn't have. Trump could have and probably would have. Eh, one more way that Trump is superior. All of this adds up to a historic failure by the West. Surprise, surprise. Is anybody surprised at this point? We're, we're not even too... We're, we just started our second year. We just... I, I feel like I've got PTSD from this administration. And I'm not shooting... Or I, I'm not sitting there poking fun at PTSD because, you know, some of us have it. But... This is ridiculous. Anybody else feeling like we've been <laughs> we've been to, to war with this administration for forever? This is insane. But we haven't. This is only year two. Uh, for many years, the U.S. and its NATO allies knew that revisionist powers like Russia and China were unhappy with a post-Cold War international order determined to revise it according to their strategic ambitions. It was up to the West, and especially the United States, to ensure that those attempts at revision did not take the form of all-out war, either on the European continent or in Asia. Already, though, we see Beijing extending a hand to Moscow... No one is surprised. Calling for negotiations that could at any point only end with Russia achieving its strategic aims in Ukraine. Simply put, the West has not done what is necessary to, prefer, to, pro, to preserve good grief the U.S.-led international order. And now that order is unraveling in real time. And honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. I could barely say it just reading it. So... I guess we're, you know, now you know. Um, yeah, it, it's it's tragic because, um, you know, on both sides, the Ukrainian people uh, didn't ask for this. You know, they're, they're regular folks like you and myself, right? They're just people living their lives. And the same thing with, with general uh, the general population in Russia, right? Most folks don't want to go to war, okay? They, and and. With all the sanctions now that are going to be laid down by uh, the European Council, um, it harms the Russian people too. The people who, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make getting jobs harder. It's going to make everything more difficult. Buying food, getting the necessities. It's gonna make all of this more difficult. Um, and so, yeah, I agree that the the United States 
we've weakened ourselves by putting Joe Biden uh, in office. Um, and I, you guys know how I feel about that. So it's, it's not like we voted this clown in eight, you know, 81,000, uh, or I'm sorry, 81 million votes, uh, not 81 million voters though. If you catch my drift, um, we've weakened the United States and honestly, uh, we've, we've weakened Europe as well with this foolishness, this back and forth, like, um, like we were going to stand up to Russia. What are you going to do? You can't stand up to Russia. This is, this is silly. At this point, it, it's tragically silly. It's tragic. Okay. So you know what? It is fun day Friday. So let's move on to our good news network. We've got some fun stuff. You know what? I think, uh, I think I've said this before. Crows are one of my favorite birds. I know it's weird, but you know, whatever. I love them. And when we went out West to, uh, South Dakota, um, I fell in love with magpies, which are a corvid like the crow. Um, they're cousins, and they're beautiful little birds. They're piebald, so they're they're kind of a black and white bird. Um, but they're very interesting. They kind of have a long tail. They're really neat. And so, um, <laughs> here's a fun story. I think you guys are going to enjoy. Magpies outwit scientists by helping each other remove tracking devices. That's funny. <laughs> I like. Oh, these are Austra Are these Australian? even funnier. Okay. Australian ornithologists have stumbled upon an extremely rare cognitive ability in magpies sitting. Oh, I'm sorry. Magpie sitting fitting five of the, what, what does that even mean? A rare cognitive ability in magpie sitting fit. I think it's a, I think they messed up. Let's just skip this. Uh, we're starting over. <laughs> we're so failing tonight. Am I the only one? This has been a week, right? Like this week has gone on forever and I feel like I've been beaten up and I've just kind of been laid to waste, right? This is, this is ridiculous. Okay. Ah, oh, let's start over. You know what? I wish I were drinking. My drink is upstairs. I didn't bring it down because I'm a fool, but um, here we go. Australian ornithologists have stumbled upon an extremely rare cognitive ability in magpies fitting five of the birds with little backpack tracking devices. Oh my goodness, there's no picture of this? How cute, how cute. There's no picture. Can you imagine these birds wearing tiny backpacks? <laughs> Why are there no pictures? Okay. Demonstrating a mix of rescue behavior and altruism and clever problem solving, the magpies saw their friends had strange had a strange metal parasite on them, and within hours the group had cut them free from almost all of the trackers. Australian magpies live in social groups of up to 12 individuals. They display group behavior through things like defending their territory with swooping and th and through sharing child-rearing responsibilities with their siblings. That's interesting. When Dominique Potvin, senior lecturer in animal ecology at the university in the Sunshine Coast, came up with the unique harness design for her team's GPS trackers, she was excited to gather data and learn how far magpies travel, whether they have patterns or schedules throughout the day in terms of movement and socializing, and if age, sex, or dominance rank affected their activities. Within 10 minutes of fitting the final tracker, we witnessed an adult female without a tracker working her bill to try and remove the harness off a younger bird, she said in uh, the conservation, noting in a different sort of study that she planned to write that they figured out to target only the weak point in the harness's design. Oh, that's interesting. 
Within hours, most of the other trackers had been removed. By day three, even the dominant male of the group had its tracker successfully dismantled. As well as intelligence, this demonstrates a behavior that's extremely rare in birds, which is the attempt to help another individual out of a period of distress, known as rescuing. This has been seen only once before in, in the Seychelles warbler, which has been documented rescuing its neighbors if they got get sticky and prickly seed clusters stuck on their wings, which can actually lead to mortality in some cases. Magpies are corvids, one of the most successful and intelligent families in the animal kingdom. Including recognizing oneself in a mirror test, they regularly display tool use, tool crafting, joking around, so social cooperation, and the concept of zero, and much, much more. New Caledonian crows, a relative of the magpie, are widely regarded as the smartest of all birds. Now scientists can add rescuing to the repertoire. That's pretty funny. What is concept of zero? Am I just stupid and I don't know what that is? Here. Scientists studying crows get a big surprise. They're so smart, they understand the concept of zero. Oh, look at it. It's so pretty. Okay. <laughs> you know what? We're just going to continue on with our crows. Why not? I love them, and you will love them too. Building on a substantial evidence... Building on substantial evidence of crow consciousness, a German university has proven some crows can learn to recognize zero as a counting unit. While that sounds ridiculous, zero is not nothing. Rather, it's one of the most complex mathematical concepts devised. That something can that something can and should represent nothing, not only as the base of value, but as a placeholder. The work comes from the University of, I can't say that, in Germany, where Professor Andreas Nieder, Nieder, Nieder works with carrion crows to perform intelligence tests. The conception of nothing as number zero is celebrated as one of the greatest achievements in mathematics, wrote Nieder on, in his paper. I'll tell you what, it, I got plenty of zeros on my math tests, so... Um, uh, I guess it wasn't, I, I, nobody was celebrating is, is the moral of that story, okay. We show that crows can grasp the empty net, empty set. Oh, by zero, I mean, <laughs> I didn't get nothing wrong. Uh, I just got nothing right, right? So it wasn't minus zero at the top of the math test. I just got nothing right, and no one was celebrating. Okay, I feel like I needed to clarify that. We show that crows can grasp the empty set as a null numerical quantity that is mentally represented next to number one. Exactly how this breakthrough was made is straightforward and did not involve birds watching Sesame Street. Well, thank God. The crows were shown two sets of dots on the screen and were taught to indicate if the two screens had the same values. There could be between zero and four dots, exactly as with one, two, three, and four. When the screens showed no dots, neurons in the crow's brain demonstrated it was understanding this was a numeric value, but that it was a numeric value that contained nothing. That's insane. What's more insane is I am not entirely sure what we're talking about. Okay, sometimes the crows made mistakes, often thinking zero was in fact one, but it was rare that they thought zero represented more than two. Counting crows, oh my gosh. Anyway, that goes on and on and on. I think that's more than enough. That's too much math for me, right? Like, <laughs> I barely understand what we're talking about. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Okay, so we're sticking with a bird theme, I guess, tonight. A gorgeous bat falcon spotted for the first time in the United States, and it does look a lot like a peregrine. Um, 
but it's oh look at it it's small it's so cute okay birders are flocking to texas to see a bird that lives thousands of leagues to the south uh, make its first ever recorded appearance on u.s shores the bat falcon though small is as beautiful a bird of prey as one could hope to see it really is beautiful it's got a hood like a peregrine falcon and it's got a yellow ring around its eyes and around its beak and its legs are yellow so now you know the bat f oh i already read that the particular this particular individual suspected of being only a juvenile has actually been here since last year but only began making headlines in the u.s fish and wildlife Oh, after the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services posted some images of the bird snapped by one Peter Witt resting on a branch with a big juicy dragonfly in its beak. Living in Mexico, Trinidad, and South America, the bat falcon is characterized by a white and rust neck, rust rump, white chest bars, and yellow spectacles. It does kind of look like he's got glasses. Cute. The bat falcon at the refuge is thought to be a juvenile for its buff cinnamon throat and chest bars. Judging by, by the thickness of the tarsus and beak, it seems like a male, says Julio Guiardo, a staff member at Santa Ana Wildlife Refuge. Border Report tells the story of Ray Sharpton, a 77-year-old retiree who hopped in his car at 3 a.m. and drove 34 hours from upstate New York to see the bird, adding that there are even birders coming from Europe to see it. That's amazing. That's really insane. In their native habitat in Latin America, they feed on small mammals, bats, insects, and other birds and are considered a species of the least concern. Oh, that's good. It is not the first vagrant that has appeared in the U.S. In the US of late. Last year's stellar sea eagle, the heaviest bird of its kind, has been hanging about in Maine, drawing birders from around the country to see this winged Russian-Japanese giant on U.S. shores. So that's interesting. If you are into birds, maybe you will make a trip down to Texas and see this little guy for yourself. Um, that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. Okay, this one has nothing to do with birds, but um, it's really, really, this is a really cool one. I think you guys are going to like this one a lot. Um, it's a homemade bumper sticker saved a stranger's life after she asked the universe for a sign. When you're headed down a dark road and feeling hopeless, sometimes all it takes to get you headed back right in the right direction is a little sign, or in this case, a bumper sticker. Like many who have felt the mental health impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, 22-year-old university student Brooke Lacey had her own share of issues. After Lacey won her battle against depression in the hope of helping others, the New Zealand native was inspired to create a batch of 600 signs that read, Please don't take your life today. The world is so much better with you in it, more than you realize. Stay. Lacey hung laminated versions of the message on bridges and overpasses and next to railroads and waterways around the capital city of Wellington. She even had the saying inscribed on a bumper sticker. But the sentiment was the furthest thing from her mind when she found a piece of very unusual correspondence on the windshield of the car she'd parked in the university lot. Figuring she was in for a scold over poor parking technique, Lacey was instead gobsmacked to find a handwritten note under the wiper blade that thanked her for saving the writer's life. I left my house with a plan and asked for a sign, any sign. I was doing the right thing when I saw your car in the parking lot, the note read, as reported by the Daily Mail Australia. Thank you. It took a moment for Lacey's mind to circle back around to the bumper sticker. I had these made so long ago, I put one on my car and forgot about them until now, she tweeted. I am so glad whoever you are 
chose to stay today. You never know who needs this reminder. It's something we should all bear in mind. While the universe may be a random place, for someone in trouble, even the smallest mindful act of kindness can turn out to be the light at the end of the tunnel. As long as the message is heartfelt, even something as simple as a sign or a bumper sticker can save a life. You know, that's where I kind of am going to venture off because I don't believe that the universe is totally random. And I do believe in signs. I do believe in signs from the universe. Um, I may take some heat here from, you know, diehard Christians. I've already said many times that I am, I am not the best Catholic, right? Um, which isn't to say I don't believe in God. I absolutely do. I absolutely do believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But I also firmly believe that God works through people um, to reach other people. Like God has the ability to move mountains. We know this. We believe this, right? But um, God's power is not limited just to, you know, oh, well, you know, Jesus could lay hands on people 2,000 years ago, but now we can't, right? Jesus said, all this you can do and more, right? And I think God is in everything. And I, I'm not... I don't think that's a leap. I think, you know, having studied science, for me, um, the proof of God was there. It convinced me more than going to any church ever did that God was real. Because the smaller things got, the less random things became to me. The more intricate cells became, the more uh, intricate uh, atoms and and the way they behave uh, was revealed to me, the more I realized that God is real. And so I think, you know, God uses so many different pieces of this amazing world that we are living in. Yes, it's troubled. Yes, we have problems. And honestly, it's a fallen world, but it's still a beautiful world, right? It's still amazing. I think we notice it most in the spring and most in the fall, right? Um, Because the colors are vibrant, depending on where you live, right? It just, it seems to burst forth with life. Um, like a painting of some kind. Um, You know, summer brings people together. We have cookouts, we have bonfires, we share drinks, we laugh, we we dance more. Um, This world is a beautiful place. And I think God uses us and uses little things, whether it's a a cardinal that lands on, on your fence and reminds you of your deceased loved one, or it's a note uh, or a bumper sticker on somebody's car that reminds you, you are necessary in this world. You are here for a reason. Don't leave us. I think God is working through all of that. I really do. I really, really do. I think God is working through all of that. This COVID-19 situation has been so hard on so many people. At the beginning of this article, we found out that that this Lacey was, she's 22 years old and she's battling depression brought about by COVID-19 and the lockdowns and the restrictions and whatnot. And what she did, just making these, these bumper stickers, just making these signs to hang around to give somebody else hope, You'll never convince me that God's not moving through her. I don't know that she's Christian. I don't even care. I don't care if she's Buddhist. I don't care if she's, you know, uh, uh, Muslim. I don't care. You're not going to convince me that God wasn't working through her in that moment. And, and, you know, she didn't know why she was doing that. She didn't know why she was making those signs or why she felt so compelled to do this and hang them all over. Um, Who knows how many people she's helped? 
We don't know. All we know is she's helped one person. Thank, thank the Lord because they wrote her un, a beautiful note. Um, but we don't know how many other lives she's touched. And it's this simple act of kindness that should bring our minds back to the amazement of God, right? It's these little things. It's these little tiny snippets that you think, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Making a bracelet for somebody, that doesn't matter. That might have made all of, that might have been the whole thing that he needed, that one kindness. Thank you for that gift. I, I, I just love it, right? That could be so much to somebody. A kind word, holding the door open for someone, offering to do a task for someone, especially if they're elderly. It, here it's snowing. You know, maybe your, your neighbor can't get outside to shovel. It's too difficult. And you know, what is it going to, I mean, is it really that much of a hassle to, to shovel her sidewalk? You know, you don't need to ask for anything in return. Just be kind. Um, there's so much ugly around us right now. There's so much pain and angst and darkness. I think, um, you know, these acts of kindness are what blows back the darkness. And, and we know, you know, Martin Luther King talked about that, you know, uh, hate isn't defeated by more hate. Um, it's defeated by the light, right? The light of love. Hate is defeated by the light of love. The darkness isn't defeated by more darkness. The darkness is defeated by the light. Um, and I do, I do believe that, um, yes, there is some randomness maybe in the universe, but is it really random if God's in charge? And I really think he absolutely works through all of these things so that um, we notice and we pay attention and we remember, hey, look, you know, it's all around us. This is a beautiful place that we're living in. It's flawed, but it's beautiful, and we can make it even better. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, and as always, stay deplorable, patriots.